I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens between them. You have it memorized. I think. I'm always not sure about the between. Yes. Between or around or underneath or something on top of or. So you finally got around to calling the gynecologist. Right. And I'm probably asked you like a dozen times now. You sure we didn't talk about this? We've only talked about it to ourselves, I think. I don't think we've talked about it to a recording. It sounds funny that we were talking to ourselves. To each other. Yeah. That makes a little more sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I did call the gynecologist, and I kept not wanting to do that. I still didn't want to when I did, but I did also want to because I needed to. Yeah, there is that. So, they were very nice on the phone. I was surprised at how easy it was. Yeah. Like, I'm sensitive to noticing, like, changes in tone of voice or hesitation or anything like that, and there was nothing. It was not a problem. I called and said something like, you know, I'm a patient of Dr. Gynos and I need to make an appointment with her and I definitely want to see her because I am transgender and she is on my transition team. Treatment plan? Treatment team or whatever. Something like that. Yes. So I, I just went ahead and made it very specific right away and, and they were fine with that. And, and I'm a returning patient, so I'm in their computer. So however I sound, I'm in their computer and, and I was in their computer as female because that's who usually goes to the gynecologist, so... And because three years ago, the last time you were there... Well, no, the last time I was there, I told her I was transitioning. Yes, but you didn't have your documents changed to change them in their records yet. I don't think I had even started T because that was... Uh, well, then I did see her you, after that because yes. I had some problems with, with right the hormones. Right after you started tea, you went to see her. The hormone levels going up and down. Right. So I made the appointment, and I expected it to be quite a bit out because in my experience in the past, unless you were having a specific problem, especially if it was like a, a regular yearly or at my age every three years or such type appointment, right? you'd call and they'd give you one like two months later. Yeah. You know, they give you a time slot two months later. So they didn't, they gave me an appointment about a week or a week and a half out or something like that. And I was like, oh, well, let me just get this over with. And it could have been actually slightly sooner, but I had to take my mother to some other appointment. And there was just too many things in one day on that day and driving back and forth and such. was not going to work out so well. No, it wasn't because it was going to be too much of a time crunch to make sure that you could do that. Anyhow. They gave me an appointment about a week and a half out, and... And you texted me and said, getting it done. And you said, good job. I did. Yeah. It, it helps to get some encouragement. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, you know, we probably mentioned this way back at the beginning of our podcasting about, you know, when I started tea and, and had the problems and had to go to the gyno. I had never been to the gyno successfully until I was about 47 I don't know if I want to say that. Until you were in, you know, early middle age. Early middle age and, and a parent and having a prob- a severe problem of like bleeding every two weeks or something. And you had tried to go younger when you were in grad school, but it hadn't worked. I had tried to go when I was getting undergrad and in grad school and that just didn't work. I even went to a women's clinic and they're like, they're shaking their heads at me and and saying, we can't get this in there. We can't get anything in there to tell, to have a look. Maybe you could do something like 
you know, stretching it out for us. And I'm thinking, no, (laughs) no, I can't do that for you. I'm going to leave now. Thank you. (laughs) You know, like they wanted me to get some kind of toy or something as if that was going to convince my junk to do what they wanted. I was just going because you're supposed to. And I tried and it didn't work. And you are generally the kind of person who does the self-care things that you ought to do. I try, although I was an adult for a fair amount of time at that point. You had been. So I did also, when I had a primary care doctor that I had seen for a while and trusted, I didn't give her the usual bullshit of, yes, of course I'll go to the gynecologist. So this was about halfway between the attempt where they're shaking their heads at me, no, this isn't working, and when I eventually went. But so I said to my my primary care doctor, she said, so when have you been to the gynecologist or whatever? And and, uh, I said, actually never. And I explained to her what had happened, and she just kind of shrugged her shoulders and said, well, she asked me some questions about my sexual activity, and And she said, well, I don't see any reason for you to worry about it. Right. Considering nothing is happening in there that we need to have any concerns. No. In general. Yeah. I mean, if you can't, she didn't see any reason to try to make me less comfortable. She didn't see any benefit to that at that point. If there was nothing that needed management, then there was no need to manage it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And she was, you know, some doctors are like, oh, no, you must do this thing. And she was a little more practical about that. like. Well, mister, I don't think you really need that if we don't have to. There you so, go. There you go. <laughs> you know. That's great. So that was good because I felt a little better at that point about it. You know, I had at least told a doctor the real deal. And she agreed with me and my plan of we don't need that. <laughs> and then you didn't need it until you did. Yes, because I started having a bad problem, which actually had to do with a different health problem and the medicine they had given, the incorrect medicine they had given me for this that. This was a couple of years pre-transition. You were cycling like every two weeks. I was. I was. And that had to do with steroids they had given me to address what they thought was asthma, which was actually whooping cough. So there you go. If you're coughing a lot, go get these things checked. It, it supposedly takes like three different doctors of sorts on average to figure out whooping cough. And I actually heard some people podcasting fairly recently that had whooping cough. Hmm. Some of our Doctor Who okay. folks that we've listened to. Yes, and pertussis I, is going around. It has been for some years, and you can get vaccinated. And about oh, a year to two years after that, I got vaccinated again. Yeah, the vaccine wears off. If you got it when you were a little kid, you do need to get it again when you're yeah. an adult. And they were vaccinating women before delivery in the you know delivery room so that the baby wouldn't get it because they can't vaccinate the baby, and babies were getting it, and that was not working so well. Anyhow, anyway. <laughs> we've gotten off the whole topic, as I prefer. You, you don't want to talk about this topic. You'd prefer to ignore this topic. I yeah, know, but, but, but this other topic, guys need to hear about other this guys topic. need to know about this topic. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and you know, the talking often helps things. So, and, and everything has gone very well. It has. You called them, and they were just completely professional. Yes, and then they called back to remind me. And that person who called me back to give me the, hey, don't forget you have Dr. Gyno next Tuesday or whatever it was, I think uh, she she was a little bit like, oh, your voice. So, okay, well, you're on the patient list, so here you go. Yes. <laughs> you know, this is your reminder. Because <laughs> I, I always answer my phone. This is George. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. So I, you know, that was a little different for her, I That's think, but totally but it wasn't a, 
a freak out thing or it was just kind of like, hmm, okay, not what I was expecting, but there you go. <laughs> so then I, I still was kind of doing the thing of, okay, I'm the guy I'm, and I'm going to the gynecologist's office and I feel nervous. What can I do about feeling nervous? And our original plan had been that I might have gone with you so that you could be just a guy with a woman at the gynecologist's office. Right. And and I haven't read anything recently on other guys who've dealt with this because more of us are actually doing these things these days. More trans guys are actually going to the gynecologist when they need to. And some of them for maintenance and some for, I'm hoping they take this stuff out, but whatever they're going for. I've heard them say, well, they could take a female friend or their partner or someone with them. Mm -hmm. I heard one guy say he took like a briefcase and... Like you're a presenter or something. Yes, yeah. like that or stuff like that. So I, all these things kind of went through my mind, like how am I best going to feel comfortable? Okay. So I was trying to decide like, you know, for me, because in part I wanted to not feel uncomfortable so that I remember things I wanted to talk to her about. In part, I just didn't want to feel uncomfortable because it's not nice. And <laughs> in, in part, I wanted to not make my blood pressure go high. Yes. So you, you I do did. You tend to get white coat syndrome. I do. I never used to. It happened when my mom got to town and, and she has it and then I got it. It's contagious. I was going with her all the time. And oh. anyhow, it, it's stressful when you go with her. Mm -hmm. So I did bring my work bag in with me, but, but it was in part because that was going to make me more comfortable and in part because I had my electronic device, a laptop or tablet or something with me that I didn't want to leave in the car. So whenever I have that with me, that on one of those days, I, I bring it with wherever I go. Yes. You know, into a store or whatever. I don't leave it in the car for somebody to be tempted to take it away for me. <laughs> no, thank you. So I, I brought that in, but I, I wasn't using it. I was just, I sat and looked at my phone to distract myself from not noticing other people. And and actually, when I got there, no one was there, which in, my, in the past, that's always been my experience at this particular doctor's office. There's like a whole bunch of chairs in there, a lot of them. And it's a nice, you know, comfortable chairs that there's no, there was nobody there. Which was great. I was like, phew, there's nobody in here. Good. And then you went up to the counter. And I signed in and, and they were very nice behind there and they weren't doing anything like, oh, there's the guy, you know, or anything like that. It was all just fine. Very professional. And I signed in. Then I sat and looked at my phone. Then another person came in and then another person came in, but nobody's looking at me because really they're dealing with their self being at the gynecologist or whatever. I know this, but it's still just, you know, in general, not a comfortable thing. And then a guy and, and a woman came out from the back there who had been with the doctor, like a guy and his wife or something like that. And I, I felt that kind of, oh, there's another guy. Good. That's distracting. <laughs> it's, you know, that's great. So that, that was funny to me that I felt that way. And then when they called me back there, there was a, like a pregnant MA training somebody. So they were, they were all, everybody was very professional. I was impressed with that. They got me in there to, to weigh me and let me know she was training this other person. I'm presuming because she was about to pop and somebody was going to have to replace her at the doctor's <laughs> office doing the job. Uh, that, that would happen. Looked like it. And they did get in the mix at one point because, you know, as she's training and my chart says apparently female, which I didn't really know till the end, but I assumed so. They're mostly he, but then when she's talking to the person in training about pregnancies and says, no, of course not. And then a minute later says something like she doesn't have that while she's looking at my chart. So she was in the mix because of the terminology and different things she was dealing with me 
Mm-hmm. Am I it probably at that time, if not Abraham Lincoln beard, something that I've got on my face? <laughs> and, well, yes, and then combine that with the fact that ninety nine percent of their patients are she, and so they probably just don't even think about pronouns. It's just an autopilot. The patient she. Right. So if they're looking at me, I was he, and when she looked at the chart, I was she, and it was some kind of relation to typically female type things. So, mm-hmm. But I, I'm pretty sure, because my doctor said she has no experience in this, Dr. Gino said before she had none, 99.9% of their patients, excluding me, all of their patients are female. So there you have it. Yes. So they did great. And they took my blood pressure and they said, it's a little high. And I said, you think? <laughs> I'm like looking around and... I'm the dude at the gynecologist. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to be here. I don't want to have this. I don't want to have these wrong parts. I'm sorry you have the wrong parts. And I certainly don't want you prying them open and trying to do something to check them. <laughs> but you but, know that it needs to happen, and so, so there you are. So then I do. Sort yes. of, almost. <laughs> And they were very professional about all that also. Yes. And I just said, you know, I, I shrugged my shoulders and I said, well, and she, I think she said white coat syndrome. I said, yeah, my mother has it too. So it just, that's the way it is. I said, my blood pressure, whenever I go to the pharmacy, I check it. I, I've sent you a picture. I've showed my primary care doctor a picture. It's usually like 120 over 68. What could you want better? That's pretty average for a middle-aged male. Okay. And and that's with, healthy average for a middle-aged male. Yes, because five to ten years ago, my blood pressure was always low. Yeah. And it didn't even get high at all until after transition and my mother moved to town. It did <laughs> actually get a slightly higher, like up to average, once I had kids. And then it went higher again after transition. Yeah. And that's fairly expected. They also said that your weight had gone up from the last time that you had been there three years ago. Yes, and it had gone up. It's pretty much muscle because really the fat on my little belly, my man belly, is just the fat that was on my hips. You did used to have some serious hips, and now you've got a very tiny belly. Yes, and I had just lost seven pounds from being sick. You had. So as far as I was concerned, my weight hadn't wasn't very high at all. No. But it was higher than it had been because I had gone there right a couple months after we got married. And I was very small at that point. I had been going to the gym all the time and been going to lots of classes. And and eating like hardly any sweets. And we were both working really hard at being healthy at that point. Well, we were working hard before that because we were getting married and you always want to look good at your wedding. You, you're you know. going to have these pictures for decades. You might as well make them the best you that you can put in the pictures. Yes. And it's an inspiration when you have that kind of a, a goal. So anyhow, I was way down in my weight when I had first gone there and last gone there, both times. But they only ever look at the last one. And how we know that is the primary care doctor was having a fit about my blood work. But we'll go back to that. <laughs> so my doctor came in and talked to me and said, well, you've started your testosterone since I saw you. Like looking at me like... (laughs) You have a full beard. Whoa. And a muscular frame. And wait a minute, you're a guy. Like impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Like good for you. Impressive. And I was like, yes, I, I have. 
She said, how's it going? And I said, it's going better than ever. It's absolutely great. I love it. Good. She said, okay, well, that's, that's very good. And do you have, you know, any concerns and questions and stuff like that? And I said, well, I have a few. I definitely like to know what to do at this point because you and I talked before I told her about this and you said you'd be interested in, in helping coordinate with my other doctors and helping with that part of my transition that would be basically her expertise as the gynecologist. And I don't know what to do or how I'll know what to do about any of these parts because some guys have them out because they're having surgery. Some guys have them out because they're having problems. Some guys aren't having problems and then they start having an atrophy and then they need them out. And I don't even know how to know if I'd need them out. And so her questions were also like, had I, you know, before that she'd asked, had I had any surgeries? And I said, yeah, I had had chest reconstruction. And was I planning on having any surgeries? And we had a brief conversation about that. And I said, well, I am not planning, but I am wishful. <laughs> and I don't know that these things will go together. I said, a phalloplasty is, in a lot of cases these days, a great result for a lot of guys, but terribly impractical for many reasons for me, including my age and that I have young children at home and I need to stay as healthy as I can for as long as I can, and surgeries are terribly taxing. And she said, yes, that's a very big surgery. I said, so it would be great if I could have a surgery. I, I would probably have a methoidioplasty, but I don't know that that's anywhere in my uh, abilities because I'm not great at surgery. And I want to keep my liver healthy, and there's a lot of taxation on your body from anesthesia. And so I, I don't know that that's an option. If it if it anyway became an option, I would consider that, if anything. But my bigger concern is, how do I know if these parts are going to cause a health problem for me? That's what I really need to know. And in most cases, the answer would be, pay attention to your body and be aware of what's happening with it. But when you've trained yourself to ignore this part of your body for so long, that's not exactly an easy thing to do. No, but as a man... We know that as soon as I get sick, I must lay down and rest or go to the <laughs> hospital. So I am likely to notice. It's man flu. Yes. Which is like Gallifrey and death. I mean, wait, yes. what? Oh. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. Also, by the time you notice something going on with your body, such as like when we watched Buck Angel's documentary, he had an emergency after many years of testosterone and started having major problems. Now, the way I look at it is if there's any way to tell ahead of time you're having a problem, you're better off addressing it before it becomes a big problem that has now taxed your body even more. Ounce of prevention, pound of cure, what? So what she said to me is, well, I certainly don't know, but I can find out. And I said, that's great. I would like you to do that. And she said she could do some checking. And in the meantime, so we'll go ahead and have an exam. Woohoo! And I reminded her that they had to use the 
And and she she says, I already got it. I, I said, it's hard to say the sentence. She says, I already got it. I said, well, you said to remind you so, because uh, they have to use an infant speculum on my parts, which is why nobody else ever got in there. They did, probably didn't have one of those, which I just think it's kind of an uncomfortable idea that there is one of these things. But I understand, but I understand. that if there's like a congenital defect that they need to check out, then they need to be able to look at an infant's nether regions. Anyhow, they had this in my chart, and she had told me last time to make sure because they can't, they couldn't at that point get something else in there. I don't know if they could now, and here's why. I had no problem with this exam, and in the past, I had problems even with the infant speculum, which is the only one they actually could get where it was going. Yes. And the other ones were like, oh no, wait, I forgot that thing doesn't fit there. (laughs) (laughs) So... That, as I said to my male friend the other day, might be TMI, but there you have it. <laughs> mm, I, I don't think it's TMI. Well, I mean, think about our listener base. Not for our listener base, but for some folks who are our listeners anyway. Yeah. It might okay. be, and too bad. You're well, listening to us, that's what you get. That that also is an important thing to notice, though, is that over time and over transition with hormonal treatment, your genitals do change. They do change. And what happened for me is before I'd be like very tense and on top of it, built tense. So the whole process was extremely uncomfortable. And this time it was kind of like, oh, okay, I can deal with that. And this doesn't seem to be a problem. And how great is that? This whole gynecologist thing is going way better than I could have imagined. Nobody's in the waiting room. When they get there, nobody cares. Everybody's nice on the phone. Everybody's nice when they're getting me in there and having me pee in a cup and whatever they're doing. And and then the physical process is easy, too. That's like icing on the cake. I have a doctor who's talking to me about what I really need. That's I mean, it's all like not only good, it's really super great. Right? Yeah. Considering all things considered. So I was really glad for that. And having talked about this now also, it might be something that if somebody has never been to the gynecologist because it's extremely uncomfortable, if you can get one that you can feel comfortable with. In some places, there are lots of, you know, other gynecologists who have dealt with this, and that's who she ended up consulting. Right. But if they can use an infant speculum, you might survive this ordeal a little bit better. There is that. Yeah. There's also, what did you used to do to be able to open up enough? Well, I still with the infant speculum had to think of having sex with my wife because then I could relax a little bit. Yes. Instead of thinking, they're going to put a big metal thing in there and pry it open. Ah, the place that I don't want to be there. No, you have to distract yourself and think of something pleasant so that your muscles relax. Yes, yes, that makes a big difference. And don't think about it as a problem. Think about, and you know, like I said, I would have never gone there. But I was having a health problem and am more quickly driven to address it because I have small people that I have to take care of. Yes. So... Being, so that being is that. responsible. Yeah. So um, she added to your blood work. You took your orders for blood work that your GP had given you. Yes. And you took them into the office. I did. So that she could see what was being requested in the way of hormones, your hematocrit levels, which had been a potential concern, and cholesterol and all the other bloods that... Did we talk about that? I think we started to, yes. 
my doctor was considering that since I don't see the endocrinologist until next year, early next year. That it's almost next year. That's kind of crazy. I but. know, but she wanted me to redo it because I was high both in the RBC, the red blood cells, and the hematocrit above the acceptable level. And like could give yourself a stroke or a heart attack level. Yes, which at that point she had told me to take aspirin. And then I had gone to the kinesiologist to get a supplement that helps with the hematocrit and basically your blood thickness, which happens to lots of men. Yes. Which is probably why my paternal unit had a stroke because of these type of problems and never addressing them, which is also why I address them, that yes. and small people. So um, this doctor added to your blood work being... She, she was pleased that I brought this paper and that she could write on there to send it to her too, and that she could see what was ordered so that she could order the other things that she wanted to see. And so the testosterone had already been ordered by the primary because she was, the primary was thinking, it's the testosterone that's making these things high. And actually, the testosterone came back only slightly lower. I wasn't concerned about the testosterone level, even though the doctor was. I was concerned about how I was responding to the aspirin and my other attempts, like the herbal supplement. And also the kinesiologist said, take your fish oil, whatever you're taking. Take your fish oil and become an inhuman. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, it didn't no. happen that way. No. So. Mm. no. Oh, okay. I was curious to see those and... And also, I was curious, and I was glad that the gynecologist was going to order the estradiol, FSH, and... All the estrogen levels, things. too. Yes. Yes. Because I was curious about that. Now, here's how it works. Your doctor only ever calls you when you're driving. But <laughs> if you can see your phone, you can immediately pull over and answer the phone, because if you don't answer the phone, getting a hold of the doctor after they've already called you, good luck. No, it's not happening. Uh, not easily. So I pulled over and answered the phone, and there's Dr. Gynecologist herself calling me, which I find to be very nice Yay! to actually talk to your doctor. Yes. And she said, and she had told me when I left the office, I might not be, get back to you for about a week or so. And I thought, well, that's fast, I think. She's on it. So she called me and said, okay, I see some of your blood work is back, and some of it is apparently not or something. And I said, well, the cholesterol was done a couple months ago. You can look in the, you know, electronic access now. And so she took note of when that was and that she had talked to a colleague that had worked with other F2M transition folks and had done hysterectomies for some such folks and that there's a fairly easy way to tell if your prostate is doing well by blood work and exam. And there's a fairly easy way to tell if your female parts are doing well by the same type of approach, blood work and an exam. But there's not for trans folks outside of doing a ultrasound is the closest next thing we could do to try to make sure that there's not a problem starting. Yes. And there is a little bit of a question of, is there something going on? Because my bladder seems like it's smaller or could something. could just be aging. It could be stress. It could be the residual results of a UTI. Or it could be a growth on your uterus or ovaries pressing on your bladder. Well, and, and that's what they had thought at the urgent care, that I had a UTI. But that culture came back finally, the full culture, and there was not. Hmm. And what the gynecologist said is after those two antibiotics for the diverticulitis. She said it could be that 
it's similar to a menopausal issue that happens with the bladder. And so I have some question about that. And also, it could be nothing. And that's what I thought a couple of years ago when I had a colonoscopy and it was nothing. And then two years later, I have diverticulitis. So it'd be good to have a baseline too. Yes. So she said, so we could send you for that if that's okay. And I said, sure, uh, we could do that. Ultrasound, which I'm not sure if it involves a wand thing or not, because I know when I went for one ultrasound type thing some years ago when I had a hernia and they wanted to do that and they brought out this wand thing and told me where it goes and I said, no, I don't think so. It's not going to fit in there. It's not going to go there. No. Nothing's going in and out or in or out at all. (laughs) And the woman doing that, she was accepting of my answer. I love it when medical people accept your answer. And said, okay, and did something else, like the closest next thing Uh, she could do. Abdominal ultrasound from the outside. Right. So I don't know what they're planning on doing when I get there on Wednesday. Is it in the online records for the appointment? Can you look it up? Does it say transvaginal or does it say abdominal? It says something that doesn't indicate to me exactly what they're doing. I read it and I went, well, that doesn't tell me what they're doing exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and maybe they don't know until I get there because I don't even know if they say male or female on those records. The hospital records at the point of most of my blood work have said female. Now they say something else. As I had mentioned, when I went to the urgent care, which is part of the hospital plan, it had in my record, or it does now have, that I am transgender. So they're getting a clue that it's not all the binary deal. Before, my blood work would just say, this is a female's blood work, and you can't measure the testosterone this way. Like, you're doing this wrong. They have a warning on it. Yes, and it doesn't have a warning anymore. It just says, here's the adult male range, here's the adult female range, you figure out what you're doing. (laughs) That works. Interestingly enough, which is another question of mine, I am not in a menopausal stage for my estradiol. I am close, but not. I'm not in the male range. I'm not in a menopausal range, which would probably be a male range or similar to an adult male range. Anyhow, I have no idea how that usually works for trans guys. I mean, I could start doing a lot of research, which may or may not happen. (laughs) Um, But I wonder... Is that usually how it happens? And how does it affect other health things? Because in any hormone treatment, there's a balance. And we know that too much testosterone starts converting to estrogen. I don't have that problem as far as we, we know from, you know, tests and various type of symptoms. I don't have any symptoms of that. My testosterone is not too high. So... I'm just wondering, how do these different pieces of information apply to what the status of my health is? And what is the projected health expected to be? Like, they're looking at the hematocrit and the red blood cells and the health of the blood. And then they're looking at the different levels of the hormones. And I realize for most people, you're just looking, as a doctor said at the health of the prostate or the health of the female part chemicals. But I'm neither categories. So what is my category is the question. And what is the range in my category that is okay for estradiol and such chemicals? How does this affect my health as a transgender person to have these parts at this age making those chemicals and I'm taking testosterone for the rest of my mental and emotional and basic stay alive type health? (laughs) 
be able to deal with yourself type health. I think it's really on an individual basis and it's really your health is such a mosaic of all the different inputs and reproductive health is just one more tile in that pattern that I think whatever happens is going to be managed on an individual basis and will do whatever is best for your body to keep you healthy. That's the idea. That's why I went to the doctor and the doctor, and the other doctor. Not to be confused with the doctor. <laughs> so. <laughs> he's not that kind of doctor. No, he's not. I wouldn't enjoy that show if he was. <laughs> uh, at least I'm checking to find out. That's the way I have to look at it. If I'm going to bother going in there to get the thing pried open, let's make sure that we know what's going on. We're not right. just doing it to, yep. ouch. Was it ouch? It wasn't ouch physically, which it has been terribly so in the past. It wasn't ouch emotionally because they were quite so professional at the time. It is ouch emotionally overall. Th that's harder to explain. So here's the thing. I come out of the gynecologist and I'm thinking, woohoo, I did that and I'm all done. And then she calls and says, we have to send you for this. And I think, okay, that's fine. And then I think, oh, crap, I have to do that. Ugh. So once again, I'm the guy with the wrong parts going to the doctor to find out what's happening. And that's uncomfortable to me. Understandably so. Yeah. It's comfortable in the sense of, I'm, yay, I'm taking care of myself. It's not comfortable in the sense of, oh, I have to deal with other people who have to deal with me, who we all might make each other uncomfortable and then unhappy about that. And I hope that doesn't happen. So right. that's what I have. So is that it? That better be it. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! yourself over we, that we way. Man, we're manspreading each other out here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can go around you, but you, you scooted yourself that way. Is, is no, I scooted back because I... Because you scooted that direction. Oh, was I not supposed to? No, it doesn't matter. Okay. There we go. All right. Okay. Not that you're particular or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Who, me? <laughs> About recording? Ah, uh, well... Mm -hmm. Maybe. Between or around or underneath or... Something. On top of or... I don't know. You have fuzzy on your shirt. How did you get a fuzzy on your shirt? I don't know. What kind of fuzzy? That kind of fuzzy. Oh, lint. It looks like lint. Probably laundry. Mm -hmm. oh. Thank you for doing laundry. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, these birds out here are having it out. They are. We got lots of birds, we got lots of wind. There's lots of extra, let's call it ambience. Okay, yes.
<laughs> well, the bird with the blues, you know, nice ambience, I think, but the speckled things that are pecking at each other. Anyway. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> uh, sorry, it's just a little distracting. I will have to move it before all those birds, like, kill each other. <laughs> and that's not the purpose of having a bird feeder. No. Um, so. Is it in your online records? Why do you keep leaning back? Uh, I should have had you brush your teeth. Oh, sorry. It's all right. Look, 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 look at the wood of the woodpecker. My battery is about to die. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>